I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Fundable Founder. Today, I'm here with Tony Liu, founder and CEO of JobGet. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Charlie. Great to be here. It's great to see you again. It's been a while. I don't think we, we've chatted for well over a year, so uh, glad to hear things are going well for you. Uh, certainly been following your progress in the news. So um, why don't you tell everyone first, uh, what is JobGet? What's your elevator pitch? Uh, sure, it's been a while since I've done one of these, but... Um... So, you know, job get, our main goal is to help job seekers get a job within 24 hours. Um, and we do so by creating this mobile marketplace where employers and job seekers can connect almost instantly um, through um, a mobile platform. And, you know, our traction, you know, our notion is to remove the resume completely because someone that's kind of looking for an hourly job, such as dishwasher or sales associate, shouldn't be subjected to the same type of process as someone that's looking for an engineer job or like a, you know, a finance job. Um, you know, this crazy notion actually worked out quite well. So, you know, within the last year or so, you know, we grew tremendously. So when we started back in 20, you know, mid 2019, we had about eight employers using JobGet to hire. You know, now within the span of a year and a half, we've grown from eight to now more than 5,000, 6,000 employers using JobGet. That's you know, serious you know, growth. That is serious growth, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, we're very excited to be part of this journey. And is there a niche you're targeting? What, what's kind of the ideal employer that you're looking at and employee? Yeah, so, so it's really focused on the, the hourly space and that is as grand as you like it to be because it's, our concept is anyone that's looking for kind of like an entry-level position can be suitable for a cashier job or a customer service job or a warehouse job or delivery job. So for us, you know, by definition is anything that doesn't require extensive training or certification is our kind of sweet spot because we've noticed that in the hourly space, you know, people are happy to try out different verticals, different industries. So ranging between restaurants, retail shops, warehouses, customer service, you know, um, you know, healthcare, all of those actually work pretty well. Great. Well, I'll actually surprise you in that uh, at Mass Ventures, I don't require a resume either. I, I actually... I actually just write the person's name down in their contact info and then I chuck the resume and it's all about talking to them and understanding their passion and their intellectual curiosity. So uh, try That's fantastic. You're ahead of the curve. Exactly. So, and it works really well. I got to tell you, it's a great strategy. Just don't focus on the resume, focus on the person. Um, so let's go back. What's your origin story for this business? Why did you decide to launch this business in particular? What was that spark? And, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. So for me personally, um, and 
you know, similar to my co-founders as well, you know, we all come from a very blue collar background, meaning, you know, I, I immigrated to Canada when I was about nine years old. You know, growing up, I did the whole spectrum of, you know, hourly jobs as well. I was a delivery boy, a cashier, you know, a, um, you know, a waiter you know, throughout my whole high school career. And, you know, same with my, you know, my family and my parents, because after we immigrated to Canada, we didn't speak much of the language. Mm. So they had to reset their career from engineers and accountants to, you know, to, to pick up, you know, hourly work. Um, and what happened was, you know, three years ago, uh, my, my mother, who, you know, she, when she moved to Canada, she became a line cook for more than 20 years. Wow. Three years ago in, in 2017, the restaurant she worked at closed down and she came to me and said, hey, Tony, take a look at my resume. How can I, you know, how can I apply to these different jobs I found on Craigslist and Indeed? And, you know, I was looking at her resume and when I was applying, when helping her editing it and applying to these different sites, it shocked me that the process was still so very archaic. So, you know, we went to one website, went to another website, then had to fill out cover letter, resume, questionnaires, and now there's like assessment tests. <laughs> that just made it so complicated for someone that's looking for a simple cook job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that shocked me and said, hey, you know, this was the same thing 20 years ago, same thing 20, 10 years ago when I was in high school applying for jobs, still the same thing today. And from that point, that was kind of the spark that, that really drove me to, to dig into the space. And when I went my co-founder, when I met with my co-founders, they had very similar experiences and said, hey, you know, let's let's see if we can really change the space and make things for the better for the working population. So that's what we embarked us on this mission. That's great. And and so many entrepreneurs that that spark for them is really something personal, right? This was something that your mother had to do and you wanted to make life better for your mother and people like her and finding jobs. And that, that's a great place to start. So, you know, the fundable founder is is really about um you know, providing some advice and best practices for raising uh, that first round of capital. Uh, let's go back to kind of those days. I mean, what did you have a strategy around, you know, it, thinking about, okay, how much of my product do I need to develop? How much of my team do I need to develop? How much customer traction do I need before I go out and fundraise? Or did you just start to do all four of those things simultaneously? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like the first time when I fundraised, you know, we're all, I have two co-founders and myself. So three of us, we were all first-time entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we definitely, you know, weren't too savvy around the, <laughs> around the whole fundraising strategy. And I say that I, I can opine on what I shouldn't have done. <laughs> Maybe that's more helpful than what Super I did. Super helpful. Would uh, love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so when we first, um, when we first started the business and essentially we were at a point where Hey, we were any VCs that kind of spoke to us and reached out that showed interest. We we just went all out, meaning that we, you know, we went deep into the conversation, went through the whole model, went through um, even to some extent a little bit of due diligence phase, right? And we did that probably with one or two VCs way early in the days when we weren't actually ready to fundraise, and that basically put us at a disadvantage in which. You know, we, if we weren't ready to fundraise and we embarked on this whole mission, nothing was ready yet, right? right? So what I learned from this was, you know, if you don't fundraise on, until you're, you're ready, I'd say that have those conversations, but as soon as it gets to, hey, let's talk about fundraising, let's talk about investments, let's talk about due diligence, make sure you have your story tight, make sure you know your unit economics, make sure you have shown traction, because otherwise without all of those, you're just going down to a rabbit hole that 
it's a lot of time drain and you're not ready for those type of situation. Um, so I always say that, you know, so we, we officially went on fundraise, I think in September, and that was a very smooth process. But before then we probably had, you know, one or two VCs that reached out to us back in, you know, I would say when we just launched back in March, we probably spoke with some in April and May, and we took that conversation now really deep when we really weren't ready at that point. So the advice here really is to assess your situation, make sure you have the basic things in place, traction economics, before you go too deep in those conversations. Otherwise, just say, hey, guys, we're not ready to fundraise this yet. Love to chat, love to give you an overview, but our focus is not to fundraise immediately. I would say that's what, thinking back, I should have done. Yeah, it's, it's hard though, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I need money too, right? Like I need to, I need money to advance my product, to help me with customers, to pay my rent. <laughs> so, um, you know, how do you balance being resource constrained and having that restraint from going out and spending all your time fundraising? Like, you know, what was the, was it an iterative learning process for you of, oh my God, we're not quite ready yet. We got to go back and do this. Yeah, I, I think it definitely was iterative. Um, but I would say that in, in the current kind of day and age, um, especially if you have a consumer-facing product like we did, like it, arguably in some of the other industries, you definitely need capital, right? Yeah. You need capital without, you know, like med tech and, and, and those kind of things. But for us, and for most like consumer-facing platforms, you really don't need that much funding before you can prove traction or monetization. For us, we haven't even monetized yet. And we were going out to talking to VCs. I think, I think similarly, right? And then the thing with that is you really set yourself up where you're not at a stage that's very compelling. And it's hard to pick that conversation back up uh, at a later time. So I would say that it is definitely a balance, but I would say if you have, especially a consumer-facing app, you want to be able to show at least some, you, you should be able to bootstrap it to show some traction. Like nowadays, it's so easy with, you know, Google, face, you know, leads or, or Facebook ads, you should show at least a little bit of traction before yeah. you, you go all out to, to get to that stage. That's great. Because, yeah, because otherwise, you know, the initial VCs you talk to, it, it's just, you know, it, you come across as, as less, you know, less, less fundable or less, less prepared than you could have been if you kept the process at a high level, but go out with a simultaneous process later on when you're more structured. Because, and the other thing was, if you just keep, engaging in conversation with VCs when you're not ready, it really takes away from what you're doing in the core business, which should be to for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You got to focus on, on the core business as well. And did you, and during this time, did you leverage any accelerators or other programs uh, while you were bootstrapping? Yeah, hundred percent. We, um, we were, we were um, part of the 2019 cohort for mass challenge and yep. they are, and they are, are we allowed to kind of plug in Mass Challenge here? <laughs> Please. Yeah. I mean, that's where I met you was through Mass Challenge. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They, they're incredible. Um, I would say that highly, highly, highly recommend whichever entrepreneur that's kind of embarking on a new business to participate in Mass Challenge, especially now that everything's virtual. Um, you can apply basically anywhere in the world to Mass Challenge. They are, I would say they were instrumental in kind of our initial success in the, in the fundraising process where because of them, we were able to establish a legitimacy in terms of brand. Hey, we are now a mass challenge company mm -hmm. rather than random startup off the street, right? <laughs> we connected us with a massive network, you know, met great folks like yourself, as well as our, also our lead investors. Well, that was also through mass challenge. Oh, great. Uh, met with fantastic uh, mentors that came through the network, met through other companies and participated in workshops that taught us 
how to go through the whole process. So I would say that. And the best thing about it is, you know, they're incredibly supportive. They are founder aligned and they don't take any equity right. um, and they provide you know, network and support throughout the way. So I can, I can go on and on about Mass Challenge, but yeah, they're definitely incredible for, for any aspiring entrepreneurs to embark on that process. There's almost no risk. Was there anything you learned at Mass Challenge, either from programming or a mentor or even other program participants that was like just eye-opening for you? Just some some piece of knowledge or or something that was just like, oh my God, that is that's genius and I gotta do this. Um or maybe there were so many things that it's hard yeah, to come up with one. Yeah, I would say there's so many things, it's hard to pinpoint on exactly one. There's, there's a lot of learning. Like they helped us with, hey, here's how you construct a pitch deck. Yep. Here's how you position your company. Here's how you think about competitors. All of these other things, I can't pinpoint a specific one, but it, I think it's a lot of very enlightening things through that program. Did you guys end up winning one of the awards from that cohort? We did. We won the gold award. Nice. Uh, took home, I think, $50,000. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. And you met your, you said you met your lead investor through Mass Challenge. Who, who is your lead investor? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. We met our mentor, uh, Anna Marie Wagner, who um, worked at Ginkgo, and she has been incredibly helpful for us, to us. And she introduced us to Sarah Hodges from Pillar VC. Yeah. I became our lead investor in our seed round, which has been, you know, Sarah's incre- incredible person as well. And, you know, she's been so helpful. That's um, great. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the seed round then. So, um, you know, how long after Mass Challenge did you raise your seed round, do you think? It was, um, so Mass Challenge, it was from March to, I think, October. And yeah. by the time November 2019, 2020 came, uh, 2019 came, I think we, we wrapped up our seed round by then. We yeah. postponed the announcement a little bit, um, but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the timeline in which we closed our seed round. That's great. And did you... Um, so you felt like you were ready to go talk to seed stage investors. Um, you had enough traction. Your product was good. Your team was good. You had the, the added um, support of Mass Challenge behind you. Uh, how long of a process was it to raise your seed round? How many did you go to Pillar first and they gave you a term sheet? Or did you really have to also go and pitch a bunch of VCs and angel groups? Yeah, yeah. So for us, and I can just kind of go back to the earlier point we had a very interesting um, process, right? So back when we launched in March, 2019, I think during April and May and June, we spoke with maybe two other VCs that were, that had inbound requests to us, but we had initial conversations. And those two, we kind of went down a path where kind of what we talked about earlier, went onto this deep bunny hole where we started due diligence, all that kind of stuff. But in the end, we just weren't ready at that point. When we officially, when we, and that, that was more of an inbound request. So it kind of came at us out of the blue. When we officially went on fundraise, it was a much more smooth process because now we had everything in place. We had all our metrics. We had all our traction. And that was officially kind of towards the end of August. And we got really lucky in the sense that, you know, we, you know, Pillar was definitely one of, you know, I really, I think I actually met Sarah first when she gave a pitch or gave a talk at Mass Challenge. Okay. And I said, you know, we want to work with Sarah. We want to work with Pillar because they seem like a great bunch of people that really supports their founders. And it was great that Anna, Anna Marie connected us because they were definitely one of our top preferences. At the same time, we also met with probably, you know, four or five other VCs that were really interested in, in what we were doing. 
and we quickly got a couple of term sheets um, almost within like, you know, within like a month time. Um, so, you know, when we actually was prepared for fundraise, it was a very smooth process. And so at the seed stage, um, what was your pitch like? Did you focus a lot on the vision of JobGet and the team? Or did you focus on those metrics that you talked about, the customer traction and other things? You know, what, what do you think it was that um, got Pillar really interested in JobGet? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think um, you know, Sarah will probably be able to opine on that better than I can because she she definitely saw something that that interested her. But from from my perspective, I felt like, you know, the, the vision really helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Like having a strong vision and able to really call out, you know, not just hey next year down the line, two years down the line, but really carve out this vision of hey, where do you see yourselves, you know, five years down the road? Because that's what most VCs are looking for, right? They're not looking for a short-term success or a short-term win, but really, if you have that grandiose vision of becoming a leader in the space you're doing. And from us, it was quite simple. It's like, it's like we, you know, when we look at the job space, really is there's a lack of innovation, especially for the blue collar workers, right? When you think about, you know, there's you know, dominant players like Indeed, Monster, and ZipRecruiter, they're doing a great job. But when, we, when it comes to mobile, when it comes to that interaction for dedicated to blue collar workers, they kind of group them in the same bucket of white collar workers with resumes mm. and that just doesn't do the industry justice. So when we thought about it, we said, hey, you know, what do we want people to think of JobGet? Well, when they think about delivery, you think about DoorDash. When you think about, you know, ride sharing, you think about Uber. When you think about you know, innovation in, in um, rental, you think about Airbnb. We want that to be job. When you think about jobs, you think about JobGet, especially for the hourly workers. Yep. Because there's that void that someone should take. Right. Arguably, LinkedIn does, has done a great job for white collar space, sure. but for the blue collar space, really that social element, that connectivity in the job space, you know, that, that's kind of the vision we had. Um, and that's the kind of the, the goal we want to fulfill. And then, um, you know, customer traction is always important to show the VCs just so there's proof of concept. 100%. I mean, when you're an unfunded, unknown entity, how did you go about getting customers? How do you get yeah. some of these organizations? I mean, my recollection is that you had some pretty big name businesses on your platform early on, and I won't throw out names, but um, you had some big companies that that trusted you and and and, and partnered with you. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that that is you know full credit to to my co-founder uh, okay. Peter, who who led our sales in the sense that like he I think back in the summer of 2019 he literally went door to door knocked on the doors of these, you know, retailers and restaurants. Um, and, you know, one example was Cheers, the beloved Cheers restaurant here yeah. in Boston, Fanning Hall. You know, uh, Peter would literally, you know, knock on the doors, talk to the restaurant manager, get introduced to the um, head of HR and say, hey, you know, if you guys need extra help with hiring, here we are, here's a platform. And they tried us out and they loved it. And it's that, you know, that instant reaction and that's kind of proof of concept. And they're able to kind of recommend us so, for example, the head of HR was kind enough to recommend us to everyone in Faneuil Hall, which led to additional you know, employers. And that virality, that referral network, just kind of spread more and more. And, you know, our, you know, my co-founder, Peter, he just went and uh, discussed with everyone else. And it just became the snowball of um, additional network. Yeah, I think you hit on the, uh, you know, I asked the the unanswerable question of what did Pillar see in you, but I can certainly tell you what we saw and, and we didn't end up investing because you moved too fast for us. But, um, 
you know, we saw uh, the vision and then a team who was literally going door to door and signing up customers in the virality behind it. It just said, okay, here's a, here's a team with a great vision and with the, you know, the work ethic and passion to execute on this vision. So um, kudos to you um, in, in that. So uh, we're just about out of time here. Any final words of advice for aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say that find great co-founders, assuming that these are these are budding entrepreneurs that haven't officially launched yet, and meaning that you know co-founders are such a great, incredible, such an importance to to the founder journey. You heard this a lot, but really, like you spend more time with your co-founders and your loved ones like when you're spending 12 15 hours a day every day and night on weekends you really need to find people that that really compliment you well right and there's this notion where when people are starting out they say hey i want to find the the most accomplished friend or the smartest individual but really that's not i would say that at the end of the day whoever compliments you or whoever you can find synergies with that's more important than than having you know two of the three of the four of the smartest guys in the room right. because at the, end of the day really a lot of entrepreneurship comes down to you know work ethics hustle grit trust and a lot of those is not reflected by you know if someone is is a top graduate of their you know top school or or, or those kind of metrics right and for me i'm just so grateful to have found founders that are incredibly not only very smart but very you know very passionate and have very very synergistic personalities with me that amplifies kind of our our work and productivity so for example you know if find those founders that you can find that you work really well with where one plus one doesn't equal two it equals you know three and four and so forth so forth i would say that's that's the main thing i would you I would touched on so many key points there because you know when we talked about you know what do vcs look at in companies it's the vision in the team but the team what i'm looking at is you touched on a bunch of the words, passion, you know, work ethic, trust, um, you know, those are things that you're looking for in the team. And if you're looking for that in your co-founders and then the two or three of you can bring that to the table, to the VCs, um, that's what they're looking for. Um, you know, it, it, so just a great piece of advice there. One final question. I always end by asking uh, our guests to describe themselves in one word. <laughs> that's a, uh... Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think just gritty. <laughs> gritty. Yeah, I like it. And it's, and it's very uh, appropriate. I really appreciate you being on today, Tony. And it was great to uh, see you again. It's been well over a year. And, and again, congratulations on all your success. And uh, I'm a fan uh, of JobGet. And I, I hope to, to see a lot more success in the near future. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Great to reconnect. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.